Well, hey, let's dive into God's word. If you got a Bible, you can go to Genesis 11 or we'll put it up on the screen. We'll go Genesis 11, 31 through 32. And then we'll touch on Genesis 12, 1 through 5 and finish in Proverbs 29, 18 as our last verse. Genesis 11, 31 through 32, it says this. One day, Terah... Now, really quick, Terah, let me keep going. One day, Terah took his son, Abram, who later became Abraham. Now, just for some context, if you've been in church, I grew up in church, and, and Abraham is, is like the patriarch of the faith, right? You know, we grew up singing a song. It was like, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had father. Yeah, weird Christian jokes, and you know, we're all weird if you know that song. <laughs> So, but a lot of people know Abraham. This is Abraham's dad, Terah. And we don't talk about Terah that much. We haven't heard about him that much. So just for some context, one day Terah, this is his dad, took his son Abram and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, and they moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for, for the land of Canaan. Headed where? Canaan, yep. He was headed to the land of Canaan, but they stopped. Say stopped. Yeah, they stopped at Haran and they settled. Say settled. And they settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and he died while still in Haran. All right, now turning over to Genesis 12, one through five, it says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will, uh, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. You know, really quick, just side note, I love this because Abraham is now been living kind of his life, but he hasn't really stepped into his destiny or the God plan for his life yet, and he's 75. I got good news for you that whether you're 17, 37, or 95, God can still use your life in a powerful way. Amen. One last verse, and uh, we'll dive into it. Proverbs 29, 18. This is the King James Version, kind of famous verse that we hear. And it says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, say vision, the people perish. Come on, let's pray. Actually, Uh, I want to speak on the topic today. Don't stop. If you're taking notes, don't settle. Don't stop. Don't settle. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house on a Sunday morning. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, whatever we may be going for through right now, God, whether uh, we feel like the, the vision you have for our life is dim Father, whether we're maybe walking through a season of grief or discouragement, or even if we're on a mountaintop, God, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, and that you would encourage us in your word and give us the great vision that you have for each and one of our individual lives, families, children, and communities. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you, bro. Don't stop. Don't settle. Have you... um? Have you ever owned a beater car? You're thinking about that beater, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, uh, I've owned a few beater cars in my life, you know? Yeah, some people call them a bucket, right? Maybe some of you can relate. You had a car at one point where you had to use, like, pins to, like, stitch the cloth back on because it was, like, drooping down, right? You maybe have, like, a broken window or, like, different things happening. 
There's, there's just something, when I think of a beater car, it's, it's like you need faith for that kind of car. You had one of those cars where like that your prayer life was never better because you were just like, dear God, I hope I can get to work with this today. You know, just like that kind of a thing. I, I think about the, just kind of the journey of having like a beater car and, and, the, and the road of life illustration, right? Where I was, we're on the road of life and, and traveling through life. It reminds me actually of when we moved to Las Vegas and we were living up in Seattle and uh, we moved down here to work at a church. So they actually flew up an intern to help us drive and kind of, we loaded this moving truck. And at the time, uh, I'm 35 now. And I guess that happened back when we were 27. So we'd already accumulated some things from the goodwill, but we'd accumulated some lot of things. And I actually kind of figured it's actually, we should have left like everything, but we got the largest moving truck possible. And we brought goodwill and like free couches, right? To we loaded the whole truck and we were playing Tetris. I mean, the thing was packed out, the biggest moving truck that you could possibly have. And we hopped into this uh, moving truck, my wife uh, and uh, our two dogs. And then we just started heading to Las Vegas from Seattle. Now, we didn't want to go over the mountains because the truck couldn't even really, it would just be so heavy to go up an incline. So we headed down like through Sacramento. So we had to go through Oregon, right? And so we pull into Oregon one night and we were going to try to, I think, push it the whole way, which would have never happened. We would have died, but, but we were going to try to push the whole way. We, we pull in to get gas. And you know, in Oregon, I guess it's like a law or something. You're not allowed to pump your own gas, right? And so we pull in with this moving truck and and, uh, and the attendant comes out and he fills the truck up with gas. And we were getting all kind of like corn nuts, you know, your favorite road trip snack. Can you think about that? Like we're getting all our stuff and uh, we're just loading up and we're getting ready for the next trip, Red Bulls and whatever else. And, and we go back out, get in the truck. We just start driving and we get, you know, 100, 200 yards down the road. And all of a sudden the truck just starts to stall and, and, and kind of stall. We're like, what's happening? And then it completely stops and just seizes up. And, and, and rather quickly, it occurred to me that I was like, man, what, what, wait a minute. This is a diesel truck. Now, what had happened was that attendant had actually filled the gas tank with a full tank of regular. And now the truck is completely stalled, stopped, and we are stuck. It's like 1030 at night. We're in just some random truck stop, like in the middle of Oregon. And all of a sudden, dread starts to just wash over me because I'm thinking, okay, there's, a, there's a many aspects of this that are terrible, right? Number one, you know, like we, if we get like another moving truck, we have to repack the whole thing. And like, it's the middle of the night. Like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And, and maybe the best thing would have been to call the rental truck company, but you know, God forgives. And so I just decided not to do that. And uh, I just called the, the gas station station, right? And I called him. I said, Hey, here's what happened. Now, luckily they also had a mechanic shop. So they sent a bunch of guys over with some lights and some tarps and they actually deconstructed the entire engine that night, like rebuilt it, cleaned it all out, refilled it, and then put us up in a hotel and we were up and running the next day. And so, yeah, I mean, right. That one turned out a lot better. It could have been a lot worse than that. But it really makes me think, right, that sometimes on the road of life, you can just be going, you've got a destination, you're trying to get from here to there, you've got a vision that maybe you felt God put in your life, like you've kind of sensed God's plan for your life. You know, the Bible says that in Jeremiah, that I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And, you know, we all believe that. We see, like, there's this bright future that I'm hoping for and believing for. But things can come our way that cause us to stop or settle. 
You know, we find ourselves in Genesis 11 looking at the life of Abraham's father, Terah. And in verse, uh, in chapter 11, it says that he, Terah was headed for the land of Canaan, but he stopped in Haran and he settled there. And then he never kept going. And I feel like with Terah, right, he was on his way and he had this vision of where he was going to go, but then he hit Haran and we don't really know what happened, but we actually can probably kind of infer a few things because ultimately Abraham picked up where his father left off and kept going. So it's actually my belief that God possibly spoke to Terah and called him to the same destination, but something happened where he stopped and he settled. You know, when you look up the Hebrew word for the word Haran, it actually means parched. And so I sometimes think that on the road of life, you hit a dry season. We can all relate to maybe you've been in a dry season, a hard season where things kind of feel parched. And sometimes when we're in a dry season, we can get so worn down and so disillusioned and so kind of just exhausted and even dehydrated that we say, you know what? I don't know if I can believe anymore for the vision I once had. I can't quite see it clearly anymore. And I may just stop here or settle. But today you need to know that for the plan God has for your life, don't stop don't settle. And so a key question this morning as we look at God's word is, am I progressing? Am I progressing towards God's vision for my life or have I stopped or settled? Here's a few facts about vision. Vision is essential for an effective life. Vision is a picture of a preferred future. And I really believe that powerful vision comes from God, right? You know, we were singing, I love that song, if the stars were made to worship, who am I? You know, that you created the galaxies and God created us. And so the creator has a plan, I believe a unique vision for you and for me so that the most powerful vision is not just our own vision. And that's powerful too. You have a vision for your kids. You've got a vision for your future, your career. But I also know that God has put destiny and wove greatness into your DNA and that there's a God vision for your life. Dr. Miles Monroe said this, I think the greatest gift God ever gave man is not the gift of sight, but the gift of vision. Sight is the function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. Come on, moms need vision for their children. Pastors need vision for their church members and the, the city and the community. An entrepreneur needs a vision for his business. Students need vision for their future and their careers. But my question this morning is how clear is your vision? How clear right now is your vision for your life? And you need to know that God has a vision for you, but I'm excited about God's vision for this church. I'm excited for this community. I'm excited for what God's doing through small groups right now. Come on, it's a small group revival here at City Light Church. And I've also learned that if the enemy can't destroy your salvation, he'll try and dilute your vision. Because once you started to follow Jesus, come on, your eternity is secure. But if he can't touch that, what he'll try to do is get you stuck. He'll try to get you into a dry season, disillusion to where you maybe just stop believing to say, like Tara, you know, I don't know if I'll ever make it to Canaan. Maybe he got stuck or in who knows what happened. But for some reason, he stopped and settled. When your vision is diluted, that's when we slow down and get stuck. So briefly this morning, I just want to cover three quick things uh, that try and steal our vision and cause us to settle or stall. Settle or stall. Number one is distractions. Distractions. 
You know, when you've got a clear vision, one of the, 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 the best way to destroy a man's dream I heard once is to give him another one. Is that you've got a vision you're going to, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that looks kind of cool too. So now you're going over here and then, oh, but that looks all right too. And now you're going over here. And so, and so distractions. I looked this up. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes a year. That's terrible. Distracted drivers, right? Have you, have you ever seen a distracted driver, right? You know what I mean? The other day I was just, I was just getting my hair cut and I was telling this story. Literally, I'm, I'm watching this lady. She pulls in with an SUV. She's got her phone out. She's just looking down, like just driving through. Like, and I'm like, my God, lady, you know, like it, it's crazy. I don't know if you've, I grew up in Seattle. Traffic was bad there. So you'd see a lot of different, you know, distracted drivers. Have you ever seen somebody weird on, I, like on the highway, you know, driving, maybe you see someone driving on the way to work. They're shaving on the way to work, right? You know? So I uh, saw a lady shaving one time, you know, on the way to work, just kind of shaving her legs right up on the, you know, as a joke, yeah. <laughs> but distracted driving, right? And, and people are on their phones, listen to this, and I know no one in here is guilty of this, but texting while driving is six times more likely to cause an accident than driving drunk. Man, hello, put your phone down, Right? But uh, distracted driving is actually being called an American epidemic, and it's completely preventable. And so, of course, distracted driving is bad, and that could keep you from reaching your destination. You get in a crash or something. But I've learned that distracted living can keep you from reaching your destiny. You got to have a clear vision and you have to say, I know where God's calling me to. I know what he's calling me to. And I'm going to shut down distractions. In Habakkuk 2.2, it says this about vision. It says, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he who runs with it, uh, that he may run who reads it. I got a question. Is your vision written down? And your vision's too precious to not be written down. Like, it's too important. Like, I heard one preacher say this. If it's not written, it's not real. Because if you're like me, man, I forget things in about two seconds, right? My wife will tell you. You know, I was like, honey, are you listening to me? I'm like, yeah, honey, what? You know, and, and, and so like, you got to have, you got to guard your vision from distractions, from distractions. Uh. Napoleon Hill said this, without a major purpose, you are drifting towards certain failure. In achieving the goals you have set for yourself, there are only two alternatives. You're either moving towards your goal or you're drifting away from it. Come on, define God's vision for your life and keep moving towards it. Number two, number two is doubters, doubters. Look at your neighbor and say doubters. Look at, Look at your other neighbor and say, are you a doubter? Just ask them that, just, just kidding. Jonathan Swift said, vision is the art of seeing what's invisible to others. You know, in Hebrews 11, it says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Friends, to get to our vision, we are going to need faith. We're going to need to keep our hope alive, our faith protected, our mindset guarded, right? Like, I don't know about you, but sometimes especially, there's a lot of entrepreneurs in the room right now, and I've learned that being an entrepreneur is a roller coaster. It's the highest highs and, man, the lowest lows. Like, you know, and you're up, you're down. You have a big win, and you need to have a sustained faith to keep moving towards 
your vision. But the problem is not everybody in our life necessarily always believes and sees the same vision that we do. You know, here at City Light, we're in a series right now called Show Me Your Friends. Show me your friends, right? Kind of based off the quote, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And the scripture is clear about that. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise. That bad company corrupts good character. Friend, you have to be careful about your circle when it comes to protecting your vision. And I've learned that when I was actually... uh, Started YouTube back when I was growing up in Marysville, Washington. That's an hour north of Seattle, Washington. And, and started to capture a vision for, uh, you know, what was happening with social media and online video. And started posting videos online. In fact, my youth pastor is Jeff Moore. He's just sitting right over here. Came in town. From 2003, he handed me a video camera and he had me start shooting videos. And so I kind of have been into video for a long time. I started posting videos on YouTube, but I remember that kind of in our small town, people just thought it was so weird. And sometimes I would go and they'd just say like, what are you doing? Like, who's going to watch that? Like, what's, ha- you know, what's this YouTube thing? What's this social media thing? But, but I had a vision for it. My friends, I kind of learned this, that when you don't need to expect people to understand your grind because God didn't give them your vision. And I said, I know that there's something to this. I know that there's something, but you have to guard yourself from doubters to protect your vision. We see Jesus one time, there was a city he went to where it said he could not, not he would not, that he could not do many miracles because of their lack of faith and the lack of honor. You have to protect your circle to make sure that your vision and the plan that's in your heart and the the vision that you have, you know, it might be family, it might be friends, it might be, you know, a cousin, but you have to guard your vision because it's far too important. Look at your neighbor and say, guard your vision, guard your vision. And as we close, if uh, I can maybe have someone come back to the keyboards the third one, though, and I think about these first two, right? We, we've got distractions. That's kind of on us. That's like if, if I was pumping the gas. You know what I mean? Like, I'd have to take responsibility. I'm, I was thinking about this guy that was putting the regular gasoline in our, uh, you know, diesel truck. I was like, bro, there was four signs. Like, there was giant red letters, like arrows pointing. It was inside the cap, on the back of the cap. There was like a warning thing. You know, there was like a TV saying, no, just kidding. There was, but, but like... You know, that was something that was that I couldn't control. But with distractions, we can control those. You know, when it comes to our circle, we kind of can control those. But this third one is the one that I think sometimes can really cause us to get stuck and, and settle. And it's things that we can't control. And it's just delay. Delay. The last thing that can really steal our vision and call us to get stalled, stuck, or even just settle is, is, is delay. Let's look at Genesis 15, one through six. It says, sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, don't be afraid of Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Now look up just for a moment. And in this particular scripture, previous verses, Abraham had, God had promised Abraham a son. And he hadn't really just promised him a son because that's the way he would perpetuate the line and actually be like, how are you going to create a big nation? You got to have some kids, like you got to multiply. But at this point, he had no son in his life, right? This hadn't happened yet. His vision was 
delayed. So much so we know that he's past 75 years old. And for some of us, again, I think about it. It's like, you've got that, that youthful zeal, you know, when we're 21 and we just got married, it's like, well, we could take on the world. And then you get punched in the face for five years. And then you're 26 and you're like, I think we can still take on the world. And now I'm 35 and I'm like, I don't know if we can take on the world anymore. It's really cynical now. You know what I mean? Like, but if we're real, that can be kind of how it is because delay can hit our life. So now he's saying, verse two, but Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant of my household, will inherit my wealth. And this wasn't even just about wealth or money. This was about the fact that literally he could not carry on his line, his passion, his vision, and the promise God spoke to him. And I can't blame Abraham here because we've all been in Abraham's shoes where we think, God, you spoke this to me. I read this in your word, but I've been waiting and I've been praying and God, it's been five years. It's been 30 years. Like when is the vision coming to pass? And, And he says here, you've given me no descendants of my own. So a servant's gonna be my heir. But the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abraham outside and he said to him, look up at the sky and count the stars. That's how many descendants you will have. And all Abraham did in this moment, verse six, and Abraham believed the Lord and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness because of his faith, because of his faith. So in this moment now, and I could find this when we hit delay, that sometimes the weight of delay, the weight of vision unfulfilled, the weight on our shoulders can cause us to kind of push us down and just look down and get stuck in our circumstances. And all we can see is where we are. And all we can see is the delay and how we're stuck. And, and I can't blame you for settling. I've been there because we're, we're kind of like, I just don't know if I can believe for this anymore. But God said, no, Abraham, no, look, you got to look up. You got to look up and raise your faith again. Come on, stop looking at your circumstances and start counting the stars. And he says, look up, Abraham, count the stars. That's how many your descendants will be. Guess what? In that moment, nothing changed. And even in the next few years, nothing changed. But God restored his faith, rejuvenated his heart and said, no, keep the vision alive. It hasn't come to pass yet, but Abraham, keep believing, you know, keep standing, keep your perspective on the future that I've called you to. Don't get stuck and don't settle. You know, I discovered this verse when I was reading through the Psalms and uh, David wrote this and oftentimes David would pour out, you know, he would, he'd be in, I love David because he's kind of a lot, uh, like a lot of us. We sometimes think people in the Bible, man, they're always full of faith, man. They just never have a bad day. Read the Psalms. David was just up and down, like at the highest highs and the lowest lows. And he'd been through a lot in his life, but I found this verse in Psalm six, verse seven. And David said this, he said, my vision is blurred by grief, by grief, by grief. My vision is blurred. I can't see it anymore. God, I, I can't feel it anymore. I, I don't know. I, I think I might just give up on believing for that anymore. And you know, this kind of reminds me of, of, of even a little bit of, of our story, you know, with my wife and I and our journey and We've been through a lot together and 
We uh, just celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. And uh, we got married at 21. We got married super young, love of my life. And uh, we got married, you're young, you're believing for big things and you're invincible at 21, right? And we were married for about two years when my wife, Sonia, uh, went on a mission trip with our church to the Philippines. And uh, she's always been such an incredible woman, love for people, heart of service, love for the earth and humanity. And, and so I've always been inspired by that. But when she was there, uh, she actually got very sick. And um, when she came home, you know, we, uh, she, she started actually like, kind of like losing all this weight and throwing up sometimes five to 15 times a day. And we're living in a small town an hour north of Seattle, doctor after doctor, hospital after hospital, and, and we can't find a diagnosis. Years go by, and eventually we actually find ourselves where she almost died. Dropped to 82 pounds and, and uh, got in a situation where a feeding tube was put, uh, placed wrong, and, and we rushed to the hospital and found myself by her side for uh, six days in the hospital. And it's during times like that where, man, your vision can start to get a little blurry. You just start thinking about, well, man, we, we're this young couple and we want to do these things. And, and is she going to be okay? And what are we going to do? And how are we going to pay the bills? And, and how, are we, how are we going to get through this? And what are we going to do next? And your vision can get blurred by grief. And you've made goals and you've made plans and you've had hopes and all these different things. But what I've learned is that, man, we can't, judge the book when we're in chapter 15 in the life story of 30 chapters of our life. And you know, now we're here years later and I tell you what, man, there's nobody that has greater perseverance, resilience, determination, work ethic, hustle through it. There's nobody that would stand as strong as Sonia through what she has gone through. And there's a lot of people that I can't fully relate to what we have gone through. But at the same time, I know you can relate because all of you are carrying something. All of you've got some kind of thing, some kind of weight, some kind of discouraging or, you know, moment that can cause your vision to blur. And all we can do, because I, I can relate to Abraham, I think, man, we got a vision for a family. We got a vision. We want to, you know, uh, we want to have a son. We want to have daughter, you know, whatever God's plan for our life is. And it hasn't happened yet, and, and, and it's hard. I mean, I'm a, I don't want to stand up here and be like, and it's, we, we just have faith all the time. No, it gets really, really, really hard. But just like Abraham, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. And we have to not grow weary in doing good, and we just keep saying, you know what? We're not going to just get stuck in our circumstances, but we're going to count the stars, and we're going to keep our head up. We're not going to get stuck in Haran in a dry season, but we're going to keep moving, sometimes slow. Sometimes we have to take a break, but we're going to keep moving forward. We're going to guard against distractions and protect ourselves from doubters. But even in delay, we're going to keep trusting Jesus. And so don't stop. Don't settle. And don't lose sight of the vision. Can we pray? So, Father, this morning... God, we just thank you for who you are. And God, we just thank you for your word. And God, I just pray 
that Holy Spirit, you would just move throughout this room right now and that you would just touch every need. God, whatever anyone's going through, Father, maybe it's just something practical and it's like, yeah, I know that there's that, that relationship that's just so toxic to my faith and my vision. I got to be careful with that. I got to guard from that because my vision's too important. Maybe he's speaking to some of us about distractions, but I pray for those that right now feel like they're in delay, whose vision may be blurred by grief. God, I pray that hope would rise again. God, I pray that encouragement would rise again. God, that you give us grace to take our eyes off our circumstances and count the stars of the great vision and plan you have for our life. Father, your word says in Acts 2.17 that in the last days you will pour out your spirit upon all people, that your sons and daughters will prophesy, that young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. And I pray for everybody this morning, God, that you would give us a great vision again. Father, that those that may say, but I don't know what God's vision is for my life. I'm not sure. God, that you said in your word, you'll pour your spirit out right now, God and stir vision. God, I pray ideas would drop right now. God, business ideas. God, solutions to problems that seem impossible. God, in your word said, old men will dream dreams. God, I pray for those that maybe have been in this for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 70 years. God, that they would know they can dream again. That Holy Spirit, that may be what looked like a dead vision can be revived and that we can dream again, that dry bones can come to life. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. God, I pray that you would touch each and every person right now in Jesus' name. Amen.